Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Western Lincoln's concierge service will bring any new Lincoln vehicle to you to test drive. North towns, south towns, or anywhere in western New York on your timeline at your convenience. And after you buy, we will pick up your vehicle and return it upon completion of any service or maintenance of of course, you can always visit our luxurious state-of-the-art dealership right across from West Her Ford of Amherst on Millersport Highway. And perhaps drive away today in a new 2022 Lincoln Nautilus or a new 2023 Lincoln Navigator. Great options, great offers, and great luxury from West Her Lincoln of Amherst, the exclusive new Lincoln dealer in western New York, the only place to buy or lease a new Lincoln in Buffalo. If you're thinking Lincoln, think West Her. Get things done in style. Wait, aren't these all charitable donations? At Magda's Tax Prep, every person counts. Not have to file for an extension. She needs new auditors to maximize returns on her family time. Hey, can someone help with... Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, good afternoon. Let me be the, well, I would be the first if I got to break on time, uh, but I did not, so I'm not the first to tell you good afternoon, but um, I'm certainly not the last. But good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Erie here, Corey Griswold hanging out with you. We've got two more hours of uh, of Sports Talk Saturday to go, and the halfway mark is coming up next at 1230 with Matt Verderam. Before Matt, we've got Mike Tanier of Football Outsiders, friend of the program, joins us now on West Her Hotline. Mike, good afternoon to you. Hope all is well. Hope the summer is treating you well. And uh, we're almost done with cram season, my friend, where we don't have to read any more draft guides and make any more draft guides in the case of your case, which I'm, I'm sure you just are, are loving at this point of the year. Don't you wish the draft were this weekend? Don't you wish we yes. were like in the middle of round four right yes. now? It feels like this should be the weekend. Um, and, and we really have started scraping the bottom of the barrel of the draft coverage this week. Oh, so, God. That's all right. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. One year they did it the first week of May. Oh, that's I in, right. I would be in tears if we had two or three more weeks of draft coverage to go through. That that was the worst year. And I think it was the year where there were no quarterbacks when, like, uh, uh, the, the offensive tackles went first. Eric Fisher and those guys oh, went God. first. It was brutal. Luke Jokel, that group. Luke Jokel. That is a name that uh, I, I certainly did not think was going to come up on this program, but uh, that's why I bring you on, man. That's You You, you bring the absurdities uh, that, that we need to get us through this final week into the draft, and you're so right. Like, 
I, I will say the one thing about the NFL draft is I will last year I remember you know hosting round one coverage here at the station and it was the fastest moving draft I can remember in a very very long time I'm hoping that is a similar scenario this year because because Saturday is like ripping scabs off of your skin <laughs> I, I don't mind draft Saturday itself when it's happening. Because those picks do come in pretty quick, especially after the start of the fourth round where they go and like they have the old alumni player sure. or the woman standing on the corner yep. in Winslow, Arizona for the Cardinals pick and all that goofy stuff. But at least that moves. I'm glad you're right. Last couple of years, the first round has moved briskly. There was less manufactured drama in it. And let's do it like baseball. Let's really like, commit to the pitch clock here and commit, commit to that draft clock and get these picks in so we can talk about what happened, not what what's about to happen. So before we uh, kind of dive into maybe some of your thoughts about where the bill should go, scenarios that you think are best and worst case, let's kind of talk about the, the national landscape. Let's start at number two, Houston. You're not buying the fact that this team's going to punt on taking a quarterback and playing Davis Mills again, right? I buy on anything coming out of Houston these days. And, you know, some of the stuff coming out about uh, C.J. Stroud, fairly or unfairly, I'm going to veer on the side of unfairly there. I think at the management level, they talked themselves into Bryce Young. Excuse me, the ownership level. They talked themselves into Bryce Young months ago. They didn't even think of a scenario that the team would jump over them for Bryce Young, which happened weeks ago. They did not pivot. They did not come up with a plan. Mm. They left their uh, general manager like uh, hanging in the hanging in the wind so much that he called the uh, called the the Patriots and asked for his old job back somewhere along the way. <laughs> uh, so I believe it's possible. Now I think in the eleventh hour, someone's going to pound the table and say, "C.J. Stroud, please, oh please, oh please." But I can't count on that because the Texans have not run themselves as a professional organization in many years. It doesn't seem like it's really pivoting in the direction of professional professionalism now, even with the kind of coach you would think could bring that professionalism. And, you know, listen, I mean, Nick, we've, we've known this for a long time about Patriots understudies and Bill Belichick understudies. And yet teams continually, year in and year out, bring in people that, you know, had really nothing to do with the success of the franchise and expect them to turn things around. And I I think we're we're sort of there with the Nick Casero um, situation playing out there, but like there there's still a roster that is not particularly good. I did like the Dalton Schultz pickup. The, the that signing was probably the best pickup of the Nick Casero era. But mostly they just sign old veterans that no one else wants for a year, um, and they kind of kept that 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 sort of that scheme and theme going um, throughout this offseason, like even if they get a C.J. Stroud, even if they end up, let, let's say they, they shock the world and they go like Will Levis or something, which I, I guess maybe shouldn't be taken off the table. Um, right. Where is that franchise now with D'Amico Ryans at, at coach? And, you know, like, let's just say it is just for the sake of best case scenario for them. I think from the outside looking in is C.J. Stroud. Is that a team that is, you know, like competing in that division that is like going to be the worst in football again? And they'll be among the worst in football. I mean, what Casario does a good job of, like getting those one-year vets, that's kind of what he did in New England, too. He would bring these one-year vets in in the back, and Belichick would surround Brady with them, and it would be fine. you know. And now he kind of does the same thing, but he's not surrounding Brady with them. Right. He's surrounding Davis Mills with them. <laughs> um, you, you can look at it, and it, you put in a franchise-caliber quarterback, and let's put Stroud in there right now, and it's still a last-place team, but it's not a team that has zero direction, zero plan. Uh, because you can say D'Amico Ryans can bring professionalism to the table. Easterby is gone. Some of the other issues that they had at the front office level uh, seem like they could resolve themselves. They drafted okay last year. There's guys who I think can be NFL starters running around from last year. So it's 
it's not a terrible situation. But if they're going to play this game where it's like, well, it's another reboot and we're going to wait another year for a quarterback, when you've got the number two pick in a draft where there's probably three right. guys who can be NFL starters at least and maybe Levis is four, maybe Hooker is five, if you punt on this, it's showing you that it's got an organizational rot still at the McNair family level. Yeah, and when you think about it from that perspective too, Mike, like, what you, it's like they're trying to you're going to have to throw the season away because in order for them to be in a position to draft you know Drake May or like and and that's what you're doing right i mean you're 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 going to try to to get one of the top two guys next year but yeah. isn't that the position that you were in to start last year about this year is you felt like the top two guys in this draft and now you're in that position and you won the most meaningless football game of all time to put yourself in this position <laughs> I, I don't know like it's it's a to to be a Houston Texans fan I'm unsure how you do it but right. it's I would guess it's a lot like watching Elon's rocket fall to the ground right <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like that, where you, it's just hope again. So think of what they've had to go through with Deshaun Watson. Think of what they had to go through with Bill O'Brien. Think of what they've had to go through with Jack Easterby. You're right. They're all clinging to their old J.J. Watt jerseys and hoping for someone to set them free here. And, yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that, but the idea that you can say, hey, if everything goes really bad this year, we can have the second overall pick next year when that's where you're at right now. That is absolutely ludicrous. And one other element to this is if you punt on C.J. Stroud or you let the, the clock roll, you're just handing a potential franchise quarterback to the Indianapolis Colts. You could right. be handing one to the Tennessee Titans via trade if you say, well, these guys are all going to slide down. How, yes, that's so right. We're going to let everybody slide down the road. You're letting the other teams in your division potentially get better while you sit around. It's, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous as a strategy. If you're a Texans fan, you might say something along the lines of, this feels a lot like unexpected rapid disassembly, right? It's sort of just, that's, <laughs> that's sort of what it feels like. Um, <laughs> Mike they all Tenu- lost their blue check marks this week, yeah. <laughs> Mike Tanier here on the West Her Hotline. We were just talking a little Houston. Let's talk about the rest of that division because obviously, like Jacksonville's not even fun anymore because they're kind of good and they've got a good quarterback yeah. and they've got a good offensive system. And yeah, they're they're not even fun to make fun of anymore. So I guess we could do the rest of the division here. Um, you talk about the Colts; they're in kind of a weird position as well. They let Frank Reich, you know bounce over them and go get the guy that they're likely going to wish that they had. But do do you feel like this is Anthony Richardson and Will Levis? And if you are Chris Ballard, what are you doing? I'm looking right now at the possibility of getting Richardson or Stroud. I cannot believe that no one is calling the Cardinals and saying, number three gets you a quarterback. and gets you a non-Will Levis quarterback. Uh, and that's all it takes. Now, of course, you could be calling and the phone could be ringing off the hook in Arizona. That That is a dysfunctional organization. Yes, Nobody could be answering the phone there. But I would definitely be doing it. The idea that you're going to sit there at four and let this come to you, I'd be calling the Texans. Like, we'll help you out of this bind. You don't like these quarterbacks. We'll take, we'll take care of this for you. Now, maybe you don't want to trade within the division, but I would be doing any of those things. But, you know, Chris Ballard's different. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, Chris Ballard, I, I, I know inside that organization, they kind of believe in these cognitive tests. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, that could be in, entering into the minds of those guys. But he, you know he doesn't like to take the big risk. He doesn't like taking the big swing. That's how they got Carson Wentz. That's how they got Matt Ryan. It's like, oh, who's available that's going to be like the soft launch type of guy? They should be moving up to number two, number three. I don't know if they're going to do it because that's just too much of a big swing for quarterback for Chris Ballard. 
And then you, you mentioned Tennessee. I, I think they make the most sense to move up because they feel like the perfect example of middle America, right? Like they are a roster not good enough to win and not bad enough to lose. And that puts you in a really, uh, you know, sort of imperfect situation to draft a quarterback next year. They still have Derrick Henry inexplicably. Um, they still have Ryan Tannehill inexplicably. And then they let go of all of their cornerstone players outside of Jeffrey Simmons. And now you're sort of wondering, like, where are they identity wise? They, you know, listen, you could blame John Robinson all you want. I, I'm not sure it's his fault. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't also say that, you know, he did a good job trading away AJ Brown. But at the same time, they go and get Traylon Burks and they sold that as the solution. And then, you know, they fire him the next offseason. Like, wh- where are you? To, I guess what we're doing is we're talking about every dysfunctional franchise in the NFL in this conversation. But like, yeah. Tennessee might be the most under the radar dysfunction. Yeah, because it's a small market. People don't talk about them. Derrick Henry's still there because there's no trade value for a guy with six million carries. You know, you you can't go to you can't go to the to the Tennessee newspapers and say, "Hey, we just traded uh, Derrick Henry for a six round pick." Yeah, right. And not make it out of town, and like so, no one would want to do that. But it, they should be rebuilding, and they're almost in the place where, like a couple of years ago, the Falcons were. And it's like. Falcons, you should be rebuilding, but Matt Ryan is going to cost you $60 million, so you have to keep him. And once you keep him, you might as well keep some of the other guys as well. So you're in this procrastination type of mode. Up and down that offense in Tennessee, it's not good. The offensive line has lost a lot of pieces along the way. It's yep. kind of thrown together right now. Receiving court will shock you at how, how thin it is. Uh, again, you, uh, Tannehill is on his last legs. The backup is Malik Willis. I love the idea of them trying to trade up. The higher you trade up, the more likely it is you're giving away a second-round pick yep. that you really can't afford to give up, or a next-year first-round pick that might be a piece of that rebuild. So you're kind of trapped in this nether world, and that's kind of where the Tennessee Titans are right now. And fortunately or unfortunately, Mike Vrabel such a professional and such a sort of like the real Belichick kind of Belichick coach that he'll still manage to get eight or nine wins out of it, keeping them from going down there and stinking enough to get your, your Caleb Williamses or whoever. Yeah, I mean, they, just, they, they have Malik Willis, which is just the ideal – Captain Tankman. I mean, like, tell me a better scenario than putting Malik Willis out there and letting Ryan Tannehill walk off into the distance to go sign with the New York Jets because they don't end up with Aaron Rodgers. That would really be, you know, the thing for me that I think would would bring the most amount of sense to to to, to the situation. Like, you drafted this guy last year, use him, tank with him, and get yourself in a position to get one of the top two guys next year. Yeah, see, one of the problems we have with this is when you start making the tank list. And let's assume that like teams are like, we're going to do it. We're going to go for it. We're going to tank. And say the Texans are going to go for it and tank. Well, the Buccaneers are going for it and tanking right now. I mean, you can kind of see that. What, Kyle Trask just, isn't, isn't really uh, isn't, isn't get, making you warm inside? I am surprised that they did not trade the farm. I'm surprised that Mike Evans didn't gnaw his arm off to escape that I am as well. Situation. I am as well. The, com- the commanders have got the new owner in place now, and it's like, well, Sam Howell's our quarterback. That's fine, right? You don't want to put your eggs in the idea that you're going to go out there with your bad quarterback and stink. You will wind up picking sixth or seventh overall. Yeah, right. And you'll have just wasted a year and kind of wasted some of your credibility around the league and with your players if you try something like that. Definitely not something Mike Rabel is, uh, is hardwired to even attempt. 
Yeah, it, that, that's probably right. It just they're they're just they seem like such like in such a difficult position as a franchise, um, and that's really the worst. Middling in the NFL is way worse yeah. than being the worst team in the league. You'd rather be the way the worst team in the league. The league tilts the advantage to you getting better quicker when you're that bad. What it doesn't do is it does not reward mediocrity, and that's really where the Bills were for so many years. It's why they couldn't get out of this 17 year playoff rut was because they just were never good enough to get good players, and even when they were in position to take good players, they would. Take C.J. Spiller instead, you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. E.J. Manuel. Yes, uh, yes. And, and, and the worst is expensive mediocrity. You know, that's what the Falcons found themselves in. That's what the Saints kind of find themselves in. They're trying to spend their way out of it. And that's where the Titans are, where it's like, okay, we're mediocre, but because we have these big, fat contracts, we can't do those trades. You can't just trade Tannehill because it's the last year of an expensive contract. Henry's got that big contract. You can't move him. So you want to cutting guys or you just, like, like sit on them. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, Kevin Byer is still a very good player. But, like, that's the guy who's like, well, we're rebuilding. Maybe we can move him. Maybe we can get a second-round pick. Nope. Yeah, he's on a pricey contact track. Teams are not going to, like, run to get him, so you can't even do that maneuver. So I saw you did a piece uh, about how you needed a dark retre- a darkness retreat. Um, where, I, I keep seeing, like, what do we see, Schefter talk about a soft deadline of this, the second day of the draft to get a trade done. The, the more I, I think I listen to people talk about the Rodgers and Jets and the Green Bay, this trade that, that's supposed to happen, the, the dumber and dumber I think I feel because it almost feels like it's, peop- it's, it's like watching people spit into the wind. And there's really no... There, there's no logical reason that it, the the trade hasn't happened yet, other than the fact that the quarterback went on national tell or like on Pat McAfee's show to say, "Oh yeah, ninety percent." I was like ready to retire last week, but now mm-hmm. eh, you know what? Now I'm going to play for the Jets. And like, if you're the mm-hmm. Jets, you being they put themselves in the situation, Mike. They went all in on this guy, all in on the guy that went on TV and went on the most popular you know live broadcast podcast in the country to basically say yeah uh, i went to this darkness retreat and i was ready to go race you know mini cars or or, or mini boats on, on a pond but now i'm i'm ready to play football again come 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 get me new york jets and where do you stand on the leverage argument and before you even get into it i apologize for the multiple people that will say mike you're wrong it's the other team that has the leverage i've never seen team people argue more about leverage it's the worst thing i've ever seen it is and i, I could tell talking to these people like they've never bought a used car ever you, you, you could come come talk i'm a 52 year old man i've bought several cars i've bought a house Come talk to me. I've negotiated contracts. Come talk to me about leverage, okay? Some 23-year-old who's running for a fantasy set. Come talk to me about leverage. And let's see who's got it. I'll, I'll tell you this. Leverage is sort of a state of mind and what you're willing to lose. It's not necessarily what you have, but what you're willing mm. to lose. Now, the Packers are not in a great place right now because they could lose tens of millions of dollars, the potential to get an early-round draft pick, et cetera, running the clock. If the Jets do not find a way to get a deal done, and they roll past the draft, and now they have to talk about 2024 draft picks and things like that, there is a chance that everyone gets fired. Yes. high chance that everyone gets fired because they're trying to get this done in July or they're starting the season with Zach Wilson, Mm -hmm. and and the ownership family and, and Woody Johnson are screaming in people's ears. So who's will you know? Mark Murphy will not get fired for this. Brian nope. Gutekunst will not get fired for this. And, and Lafleur has already wiped his hands. They can kind of operate with that hit. The Jets can't operate without a quarterback. So really, the only reason the Packers wouldn't have line, uh, 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 leverage is if 
they're going to blink. Like, they're going to blink at this point and say, well, we don't want to spend this money. And there's no owner to scream at them. The owners are shareholders. Mm -hmm. Okay. That said, Jets fans in this echo chamber that they live in with a lot of the media, uh, national media sort of being New York-centric, have talked themselves into thinking that it's going to be like a conditional seventh-round pick. Right. They went... (laughs) They went from, uh, we don't have to give up a first-round pick to, we don't have to give up one of our second-round picks to, why don't we just hold them over the barrel? Because they have talked themselves into thinking that the Packers are this desperate team, and that's usually the sign of desperate people talking. Yeah, right. Because, well, and their point behind this, Mike, is, well, there's no way that they're going to let Aaron Rodgers show up to training camp. As if Aaron Rodgers would show up to training camp. Mm -hmm. He was 90% retired. He'll just retire. Right. He has never shown up to training camp. Right. he's... And what do people really anticipate here? Okay, say he walks around sneering at everybody. That's Packers training camp. Aaron Rodgers is walking around <laughs> sneering at everybody. Two years ago, he read a manifesto before he showed up, slamming the coaching staff and the organization. Slamming them. So the idea, like, well, he's going to show everybody up. Whatever. They'll call his bluff on that. You're right. He'd do it. He'd do it for a day. He'd get bored. He'd start calling up, hey, what game show can I host? That's how that would go. Okay. All that said, I think Shefty's right. Because there has to at least be that second-round pick this year moving. The Jets and Packers, the Jets can't go out there and pick in the second round. They no, they cannot. Because the moment they do that, it's over. I think this deal is going to get done 11th hour, 45 minutes before the draft, uh, round one on next Thursday. That's what I think is going to happen. Mike Tanier here on the Western Hotline. Uh, before I ask you a question or two about the Bills, I wanted to get your your, your kind of overall thoughts because we haven't really had a chance to talk about this, you and I, Lamar Jackson. They go out and they, they sign Odell Beckham Jr. And whatever you believe Odell Beckham Jr. is at this point, he's not an $18 million receiver. I just I cannot believe that they gave him that kind of money. Um, and, you know, there's talk they might still be trying to go out and get uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, wh- where do you stand? I mean, this is this is a Todd Munkin offense now. It's not a it's not a Greg Roman offense anymore. So they they in theory have two decent starting caliber receivers now. One they drafted, and now Odell Beckham Jr. Where do you stand on where Lamar Jackson is, where he should be, and where he will be? Well, there were a lot of signs before OBJ, and of course, you know, there's there's rumors that Lamar Jackson woo, helped woo OBJ. There was also a situation where Lamar Jackson's not an agent guy, the uh, the fake uh, Peloton sale. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the the one that made the the radio, uh, yeah. the, the the radio workout set. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and he went on some podcasts and said, "Hey, you know, Lamar really loves the Ravens." It sounds like there's a walk back on the Ravens' part. There's now a Jalen Hurts contract out there that is a walk back, save face opportunity for both sides. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like oh, Lamar would be happy with like a, a, a Jalen Hurts type deal. Oh, the Ravens can make us a, a similar deal. I think something like that's going to be in the works, and I think it's going to be soon. And you know, and, and again, Lamar uh, OBJ is kind of like a peace offering, sure, along the way to, towards that. So that's the way I think after all all of the chaos of this. I think that's what's going to happen now. Uh, can I guarantee it? No, but I, I'm I personally am glad I didn't spend the last eight months jumping up and down screaming about how Lamar Jackson is going to be a member of Indianapolis Colts or the Falcons or whatever, because from jump street, something like this was bound to happen because again, we talk about leverage. Yep. You can, you can say Lamar Jackson has leverage. He has zero leverage. The rights to his services belong to the Baltimore Ravens and they were going to sit on him. Last thing I got for you, Mike, Bill's best case scenario. A lot of people here talking about linebacker. That's kind of the obvious glaring hole in the middle of this defense. Um, and maybe you can touch on whether you believe, like, there's this sentiment that 
the it, middle linebacker, Mike linebacker, in Sean McDermott's defense matters more than Mike linebacker in a lot of other defenses. And I, I don't know where I fall on that and whether or not that means the Bills should reach for a player um, like a Jack Campbell or, um, you know, a, a, a Saunders out of, uh, out of Arkansas. But for me, I, like, I don't want to ignore defense, but I also recognize that at 59, they may not have a shot at one of these linebackers that, that are worthwhile. It sort of feels like they might be a little bit in a pickle if, if they're going to draft for need, which, say what you will, good teams end up having to draft for need. They do end up having to draft for need, although the Bills kind of do their own thing even at the bottom. I get the logic of the, the McDermott. Oh, he needs a Luke Keekley. That, that does make some kind of sense. I think these linebackers, I'm going to say Sanders out of Arkansas, Simpson out of Clemson, and Jack Campbell, are worth that late first-round pick. I think they are. I think that's a reasonable scenario. I could definitely see Trent and Simpson doing it. and That's a little bit irrelevant of the system because if you look at a guy like Fred Warner in San Francisco, demonstrating the value of saying, no, this Mike is so versatile, he can cover C.D. Lamb in a pinch, like that sort of player, and I think Trenton Simpson certainly would be that kind of player, would be absolutely worth getting it. And You talk about best available athlete down where the Bills are, are drafting. It could be, you know, Sanders or uh, Campbell or uh, Simpson. It could be one of these 177-pound wide receivers yeah. who would probably help, but, like, how excited are you about that? And it could just be one of the – 37 cornerbacks with a first-round grade. Now, all of those are potential wins. I think if you're looking for value for the Bills and you're sitting tight and you see a Sanders or a Simpson sitting there, I think you make that move because I think that's the immediate upgrade and, like, the best available athlete guy compared to somebody who, like, a wide receiver who might have a question mark as to whether he's going to be able to stay healthy for 17 games. Yeah, and, you know, I also don't sleep on defensive tackle. The team does not have a defensive tackle under contract next year. You know, and, like, that – that's something, you know, and especially because of how much Brandon Bean cares about the defensive line. He just continues to sink assets into it. Um, I wouldn't also be surprised if they went that route as well. Um, Cansey could, could be sitting there, and that's a heck of a ball player. Um, you know, Kalijah Cansey out of yep. Pittsburgh. Is, he's not Aaron Donald, folks, but he's short. He played for Pitt, and he's kind of amazing. So, so he's, He reminds me of Ed Oliver. Better. Yeah, he might be a little bit of Ed Oliver with a little bit more of a – a uh, by-the-book personality and make sure. a more refined game at this point. Yeah. yeah. Defensive tackle, I wouldn't sleep on it. Mike, thanks so much, my friend, as always. Hope you enjoy the draft next week. The uh, you know the culmination of a lot of work hours, sweat, blood, tears, that whole thing. Uh, so we appreciate yeah. you as always coming on and sharing your insight. Uh, we, we do appreciate it over here, man. Always a pleasure. Take care and enjoy the draft. Will do, my friend. Mike Tanier of Football Outsiders joining us there on the Western Hotline. Going to take a time out. Other side, my man Matt Verderam, new gig over at SI. We'll talk to him a little bit about uh, the end of the draft. Kansas City, it's a team he follows very closely. What is Kansas City going to do as an encore for another Super Bowl title? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Talk to him. That's coming up next here on WGR. Sports Radio 550. All right, we are officially at the halfway mark of Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome back, Nick Erie, Corey Griswold. We just had Mike Tanier. If you missed any of uh, any of our interview, you can head to WGR550.com. On-demand audio will be up there shortly. But joining me now on the Western Hotline, my next guest of the day is the NFL staff writer over at SI Now. And uh, Matt Verderan joins us on the Western Hotline. Matt, good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, I think it's the first time we've chatted since uh, since the big move for you. Congratulations, man. Thank you, thank you. I, I hope uh, I hope we're not going to talk any hockey, but we could talk to Knicks. We could talk about oh. that. That's actually not a bad thing for the first time in twenty years. We could for sure talk about the Knicks. I know you being a Jersey fan, it's not been a. Um, it's not been good. It has not been a good start. But you know, listen, it's the playoffs. Uh, it's there. It's there. listen. Uh, everyone here in Buffalo kept talking about how the Jerseys, the young, this young team, and the Sabers were too, right? And we, you and I, talked a little bit about uh, uh, texted back and forth about hockey, but like. The Devils were this young team that played a start-to-finish regular season where the Sabres were a lot of up and down, a lot of growing pains, and everybody kept pointing to the Devils to say, like, well, they're not dealing with any growing pains. They're this young team. Uh, like, what? Well, right, you get to the playoffs and you realize it's a very different animal, and, and I think that just kind of goes to show you the nature and the difference of NHL playoffs compared to the regular season, which is part of why I think a lot of people in Buffalo are a little disappointed, uh, because even if you went and got worked by Boston in the first round this year, you would kind of get that first real feeling of what playoff hockey's like yeah i mean that all being said as a devil fan i think we're all going to get together and file a class action lawsuit against the team uh, after the way (laughs) we played the first games i gotta tell you i'm a lindy ruff i know he's got a lot of fans in buffalo he's been very good this year not shrouding himself in glory in the series it has been uh it's been rough to say the least that said the knicks won by 20 last night so at least one of my teams is uh up. That's right, and um, you know, after game two, it was kind of like, uh, but then you realize again they they stole one in Cleveland, and that's kind of like part of your job to do in a in a playoff series where you start the series on the road for the first two games, steal a game, whatever happens in game two, you got game one, and now they find themselves ahead in the series. Um, yeah, I'm I, listen. I mean, as, where they end up, it's a Tibbs team, and I feel like you kind of know what Tibbs teams do in April and May, but um, yeah, well, well, I'm, I'm I, they can beat this Cleveland team, and and I think a lot of people did not really. Get give them much of a shot in hell at all to beat this Cleveland team. Um, they're more physical, um, and they are far deeper. And a lot of people talked about how good this Cleveland bench was, and almost no one talks about how good the, the Knicks bench is. I got to tell you, if I were the Knicks, I would, like, Mitchell's going to get 30-35 no matter what you do on most nights. Mm-hmm. I'd let him get his 30-35. If they take Garland out of the game, I don't think the Cavs can win. I agree. Because they have nothing out. There's nobody else in that team scoring 20-plus on a consistent basis. I take him out. Good luck. Um you know, hey, we'll see. It'll be interesting. At least they don't play the night of the NFL draft. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, same here. Because it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long weekend for me next weekend, Matt. But um, that's kind of good, good segue. See, professional here. I, I get you to to segue right into the draft. Thanks, buddy. Um, 
I, I want to start with you um, with Kansas City and kind of where this team stands um, a week out from the from the NFL draft. Um, they're a team that you know had two first round picks last year, um, which is rare for a team that is in the window that they've sort of been in for the last you know half decade and maybe a little bit more now. Um, yeah. What are the returns for you on on McDuffie um, and Karloftis from last year and like how hard is it to to kind of judge guys after year one and maybe how big of a season is it for those guys because it's again it's very rare a team like the Chiefs end up with two first round picks like those got to be transcendent type players for your franchise if you want to continue staying at this you know this window that they're in it listen and I only say that because the Bills have not hit on a lot of first round picks and that's why they find themselves kind of in this sticky window the sticky situation that they're in right now. You know, I got to tell you, actually, for the Chiefs, you know, it was interesting. The first half of the year, you would have said, oh, it's not looking too good because McDuffie was hurt. He got hurt the first game of the year against Arizona, and he missed two months. And then Karloftis, Karloftis was racking up a lot of pressures, a lot of quarterback hits, but he wasn't getting sacked. I think he only had half a sack, and maybe it was his first nine or ten games. But then the rest of the year, he racked up like six and a half sacks. So he played very, very well second half of the year. He went into the playoffs, he had a sack in the playoffs. Um I thought he really showed why they picked him. You know, he's one of those guys, he's just got a motor. Yep. He's just always around the football. He's always hustling. He's always making plays. Um, so I think the Chiefs are very happy with the return on him. And the McDuffie, if you look at when he didn't play and when he did play, their pass defense literally almost gave up like 100 yards less per game. I mean, they were they were vastly different. A part of that is because both he and Legarius Need can play slot and they can play on the perimeter. So they can they can dictate the matchups a lot more, and both those guys are available to them. The only time the Chiefs gave up 300 yards passing last year with McDuffie in the lineup was the Super Bowl. Um, so I think they, they really feel good about their class. I mean, they got two other corners in that class, too. Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, who are fourth and seventh round picks, really played well for them. Obviously, they got Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round. I mean, they, they, they played yeah. eight rookies, like legitimately played them. And it, it worked out for him. Yeah, so like when you look at this year's draft class and, and you know, listen, I think every year when you get to this point, you start running out of storylines to talk about. And now the storyline, which is, you know, I guess not, not it's to, to say that it's unique right now at this point where teams are talking about the lack of first-round grades in a draft, it's not, it's just not unique to this draft. It happens every year, especially this time where people start to feel like, especially like analysts start to feel like they know what teams' draft boards look like, which in reality, none of us really do. None of us do. Where is your say, if, if, I, if I were to ask you what the need is for the Chiefs right now, uh, where they pick at 31, well, 32, but 31, um, like right. what what is the need for them? And is this a position where teams like the Bills, like the the Bengals and the Chiefs, they may not be the true best player available type situations. Or do you believe that the Chiefs maybe are in a unique position to take the best player available? No, I don't think they're going to take I mean, they will have certain positions that they will put in a pool and those guys, the best player available, yeah, sure, we'll take them. But I think right now the Chiefs have three positions they're looking at. And I'd be surprised if the first-round pick is not one of these three positions. So one of them is receiver. Um, they brought back pretty much the exact same group, except they didn't bring back Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Hardman. Now, they replaced McCall Hardman with Richie James, which I think, I think they're very similar players. I don't think there's going to be a massive difference. Um, they brought, you know, MVS is still there. Sky Moore is now in his second year. Kadarius Tony's there for the first full year. They brought back Justin Watson. So they need somebody to be in the mix at receiver, and I could definitely see them taking a guy like a Zay Flowers, a Quentin Johnston, a Jalen Hyatt, you know, a, a Jordan Addison if he somehow fell there. Um, I think the other spot is tackle. Now, they, they replaced Orlando Brown with Juwan Taylor. 
And the plan right now is to put him at left tackle. But Brett Veach talked a couple of days ago to the media and said, look, we'll, we'll play him either left or right. He's fine with either either side. So it gives the Chiefs some flexibility in this draft. And I think if one of those big tackles were to fall to the Chiefs, I actually think that would be the pick. I think if, if that happens, then I think you might see them go that route. The third one would be edge rusher across from Carl Loftus. They, they've released Frank Clark, who's still out on the market. Um, I think you know they, they, they still have not re-signed Carlos Dunlap, which is possible, but who knows. So they need another edge rusher. I think those are their three needs, and I, I would expect them to attack that that trio pretty aggressively the first three, four picks they have. Matt Verderam here of Sports Illustrated joining me on the West Her Hotline. Um, where else do you fall? Like I, I, we, Mike and I were talking about uh, the Houston Texans and, and whether or not they would really punt on taking a quarterback in this draft. It, like, How do you, in, in good faith, sell a, uh, like a fan base – that when you have you know Davis Mills as your starting quarterback, that you have the number two pick and the chance to get one of the top two quarterbacks in this draft, and you decide to punt because you were all in on Bryce Young, and then your quarterback threw a hail mary pass, and you want a you want a, a meaningless football game in the last game of the year to put yourself in a position not to draft number one, and you didn't pivot, you didn't really do anything to think that anyone would move ahead of you, and now you're in this position where you're not going to get the guy you want, but so that be, just because you're not getting Bryce Young, you're not going to take a quarterback at all. Like, I, is this? Draft day smoke or draft week smoke, or do you really get the sense that like Houston really might punt on taking a quarterback? So I actually had to laugh at myself. So a couple of weeks ago, I did my mock draft, and the old one and only serious one that I did, and I, I had Stroud and Young one and two. And then the following day, I was talking to some people in the league that I trust, and they were like, yeah, look, Young's going to be number one. I'm like, all right, I probably should have done this then like four days ago. But yeah, I, look, Young's going to be number one. But the one thing, and this look, this stuff that came out yesterday about C.J. Stroud and S2 cognitive testing and how poorly it went, like, I will tell you this, Nate, that, that was not a secret in the NFL. Like, I had heard that weeks ago, and um, other people heard that weeks ago, and it's one of those things, like, you're not going to report that because you're just, you're, you're kind of dumping on the kid. Um, but that's been out there. I mean, that's been, that's been known for a while, that, that that did not go particularly well. So, um I think that's part of it with Houston. I think the other part of it is I don't think anybody feels like any quarterback in this class is a slam dunk, including Bryce Young. Mm. He is very diminutive. Stroud, you wonder about against the rush in, in you know at Ohio State in college, and you know, he did not handle the blitz always very well or bigger pressure in his face, which you know you could say, hey, look, he can learn. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Will Levis is a guy I think a lot of people look at and go, hey, he could be Josh Allen. Sure, he could be. He could also be a guy who doesn't develop like He could be Allen. Blaine Gabbert, yeah. Yes. I mean, Allen is such a unicorn the way he developed. Most guys do not do that. Um, Anthony Richardson, huge ceiling, but really low floor. And then Hendon Hooker, 25 in an ACL, but he's talented. So I think Houston might look at this and go, hey, Will Anderson is clearing away the best guy. But to your point, the problem with that is you got to sell that to a fan base. So by yeah. the way, last year, stop showing up. Like, and I just have a feeling in the end, while I do think there's a real decision to be made, I think ownership's going to say, we need to draft a quarterback. I don't care how you feel about Will Anderson. We need to sell tickets. So I still think it'll be a quarterback, but it's a real discussion right now in Houston. What do you make about the Colts, too, at four? Um, you know, they kind of sit in this position as well. Could could they end up in a position where C.J. Stroud falls to them at number four and they get to pick between, you know, Stroud and, and, and Richardson and you know, kind of where, where that franchise goes from here, I think, is really interesting. They've got good players, but I don't know what Shane Strykin is. Like, I, I, is he going to be a good – I don't know what, if he's going to be a good head coach or not. But I think all in all, they're a franchise that feels like this pick has to is, – is sort of a make-or-break pick for Chris Ballard. 
It is. And Chris Ballard's had a long time to get this thing right. And I get it. Like, he had a fascinating circumstance. I'm sure that's not the word he would use when Andrew Luck retired. Um, but they've not been able to find the quarterback. I mean, they've just gone year after year after year switching out guys. The reality is for Indianapolis, I think you, you have to take a quarterback. I don't think you can take any other position and, and face your fan base and say, yeah, we feel good about this. Now, I think the Cardinals are going to trade out of number three. I am convinced they're going to trade out of number three. I think it's going to be either Vegas or Tennessee. Hmm. I think one of those teams is going to trade up and go after Richardson. Um, that being said, you hear a lot of smoke about Indianapolis loves Will Levis. Now, that can always be a little bit of smoke because they actually want somebody else, and they're trying to entice somebody to take Will Levis. Um, but that's kind of been the prevailing thought, is that they, they really do believe in Will Levis and his upside and everything else. I, I personally... I think, look, Young is the top quarterback in this class. And then I think Richardson, if you're going to take a quarterback, like take Stroud or Richardson, I just think Levis is big and he's got a big arm. But like when you watch the film, I don't know. It's really inconsistent. Um, but I think the Colts, I think, I think there's a real chance you have four quarterbacks straight off the top in this draft, which I don't know that that should happen. But I think it could happen just based on need and who's picking where. It's my duty to ask you at this at this point, even though it's just the most drawn out conversation uh, to have ever uh, to have ever been had. But the Aaron Rodgers saga, the Jets and and, and the Green Bay Packers. You know, Mike Mike and I were uh, Tanir and I were just kind of talking about the 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 beautiful uh, word leverage and who really has it. And he's of the mind. He's like, you know, if you've never bought a used car or bought a home, you probably should sit the leverage conversation out. And and I thought his point about you know, who's willing to lose more um, is really kind of the right question to ask. And, and to me, it feels a lot like if the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers by whatever soft deadline, you know, um, Schefter just tweeted out earlier, but it's got to happen before the before day two, before Friday, the, before the draft actually starts on Friday, um, which I think I would agree with. I, I feel like Gutekunst isn't getting fired. Mark Murphy's not getting fired. They don't have an owner to yell at them. Um, if they don't get, if the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and like these, I, I don't know how long they're gonna get. Um, like this, this, this sort of feels like the leverage is firmly in the hands of Green Bay because, yeah, they'll lose money, but money in the NFL grows on trees, whereas jobs don't. And and that sort of feels like the ultimate leverage piece in this. No, you know, I think it's really interesting. Like I've been asked this a thousand times, man. Like who's got leverage and who's gonna who's gonna cave first, who's going to end up giving up more than they want to give up or give up you know, what, what they feel like they shouldn't. I look at it like this. It's like two cars going 80 miles an hour directly at each other for a head-on collision. Like it's, it's mutually beneficial to turn the damn wheel. Yeah. Like it just is. The Packers do not want to pay Aaron Rodgers $58 million. They're not going to pay him that. That is not going to happen. And that is the amount of cash that is due to him before September. There is no world where he's getting $58 million from the Green Bay Packers. Now, the other side of it is the Jets cannot go into the season and say, hey, guys, we have Zach Wilson. That is just, I mean, that is Armageddon for that franchise. They cannot do it. Here's what I think, though, is really interesting about this. If they get past this draft, which is possible, and they're still staring at each other, the 49ers become really interesting hmm. because they're trying to move Trey Lance. Brock Purdy is out for a minimum of probably the first six to eight weeks of the year. Sam Darnold's not going to stand in the way of them acquiring Aaron Rodgers. And for people who say, well, they can't afford it, that's not true. They have, if you acquire Rodgers on a trade, it's only $16 million in a cap hit. Right. And they can afford the cash payment. That is not a problem. Jed York has more money than God. 
So if they wanted to do it, they could do it. And I'm sure Rodgers would be thrilled to death to go there. They'd be at the immediate Super Bowl favorites. If you're the Niners, what, why wouldn't you do it? If, now, they can't do it right now because they don't have any of their picks. They traded three picks for McCaffrey. They traded a first for Lance. But if it gets past this draft, hmm. next year, the Niners have all their picks and then some. And so all of a sudden, the Jets have a problem. That's why I wonder if the Jets are going to cave before the draft because they know that if they get past this draft, this could become really expensive and they could potentially lose Rodgers. Hmm. I, you know, it's funny. I, I hadn't really thought of the Niners in that. I know that's sort of been like the, the ghost team in the background, but like the ghost team that people want to say that's, that's why Green Bay has leverage, not because it's a legitimate opportunity. But the way you li- sort of listed that out, I think, is exactly right. And I think... If you're the Jets and you do end up losing Rodgers and he goes to San Francisco, let's say in the scenario, like what happens then? Like what the problem is, is they've painted themselves into a corner where Rodgers is playing A, B and C. And I think anytime you do that, you've sort of already lost, right? Like you like you have sort of lost if your plans A, B and C are a 41 year old or however old Aaron Rodgers is who right, who like eight weeks ago, went on the Pat McAfee show and said he was basically 90% retired, which is probably the main reason the Jets feel they don't want to give up a first-round pick or a second or multiple seconds because this guy was on, you know, Pat McAfee talking about he was in a darkness retreat and was 90% ready to retire. Now he's all of a sudden like, yeah, you know what, I'll play for you guys. Sure. Yeah, I, look, I just look at this Rodgers thing too. And, and I don't know if I'm in the minority. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I look at this and just say, let's say the Jets go out and they get Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Are they the best team in the AFC East? No. Nope. I don't think they are. No. Are they, are they a legitimate team that you would look at and say, I think they will be in the divisional weekend? No. Probably no, not. Either. Not for me, they're not. I think Kansas City's better. Cincinnati's better. Buffalo's better. I think Jacksonville might be better. You could make an argument Miami's better. I mean, Miami, for all the, now, now the, the tour thing is the whole, the yep. whole shebang in Miami, but Vic Fangio's a great coordinator. They will be better defensively. So, you know, you look at these teams. I'll tell you, though, to answer your other part of this, like, if the Jets miss out on him, I got to tell you, and I don't know if they do it, I'd call up Lamar Jackson and say, fine, what do you want? Yeah. Because I just I, – and, and I don't even know that that's the answer that you need, but, like, you, you just – you cannot come out of all this and turn it over to Zach Wilson. You just can't. It I almost what else you have to do. Matt, it almost feels like and, – and, frankly, like – and I asked Mike that, too, is it, it sort of feels like we're getting closer and closer to a, a, a resolution, especially with the Jalen Hurts contract. That's a good yeah. fail-safe to say, okay – you know, let's just get this done. Let's let's do it in the in the vein and, and the template of the Jalen Hurts contract. And then everyone feels like they won, at least a little bit, right? Uh, where I feel like what ends up happening is the musical chair stops at someone like Ryan Tannehill, which would just be such a monumental failure on the half of the Jets that it would be hard to overcome that. They, they would have to get to the second round of the playoffs and lose in a heartbreaking way for, I think, everybody to keep their jobs. I'm from that area of the country. They will unmercifully boo that team over yeah. and over. I mean, that is, this isn't Arizona where it's like, oh, it didn't work out. Okay, that's fine. Let's all go out and you know and, and, and ride motorbikes through the desert. Nobody really cares. Like, they're going to care in, in, in East Rutherford. They're going to care, especially if the Giants are going out and putting together another playoff yeah. Like, it's going to matter. And I think when you start to look at this, if you're the Jets – I think they, I, your wording was, I think, right now. Like, you paint themselves into a corner here with all this stuff. Like, and the, to me, the other part of this is, too, even if they go and they get Rodgers, what did you fix all this for, one year? I mean, it's not like this mm-hmm. guy who's 29 years old and you're going to have for a decade. I mean, you, you didn't have one year where you might be decent 
And then you're right back here. You're right back here with what? With Zach Wilson? Yep. And I just don't know. And Rodgers is supposed to fix Zach Wilson while he's there? Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> like, you're going to tell me, Aaron, well, first of all, have, have fun in that quarterback room with those two guys. Yeah, right. Be a blast. But I just, I look at that and I just say, there's no, there's no upside long term. I mean, if you're the Jets, I think basically they're sitting there going, you know what, let's get Rodgers for one year. Let's win some games, make the playoffs, be a team that is viable in January. But to me, that's more of just like to kind of satiate the fan base. That's loser mentality. It is. But the Jets haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1968. <laughs> and I think are basically like, look, man, whatever. At this point, we need to just make the playoffs. And we have the – I mean, right now in the four major sports, they have the longest playoff drought. The longest. Now that the Kings are in the playoffs in the NBA. So – at some point, you got to win some games, but I just I look at the Jets and say, what are you solving? You're solving this for a year, and maybe not even really solving it for a year because if he goes there and he's not committed or he's not that good, then what? You're the third place team in the division, and you might not even make the playoffs. What a, what an interesting saga that's going to be over the next couple of I mean you know like day weeks here. I think we're, we we yeah. hopefully should hear a re- resolution one way or another. Matt, before I let you go. Head to the ground, ear to the ground. Kyler Murray, where Arizona's might be, might have the number one pick next year. Where is that franchise with him? I got to tell you, my thought on this is see, he's going to miss at least half the year at this ACL. Yep, they are atrocious. They are, in my opinion, they are the worst team in the NFL. They have a young head coach, a first-time head coach. They've got first-time coordinator. I mean, they're doing what Denver did last year. All these first-time guys, in all these positions, and you look at Murray. And you look at him and say, what? He's going to come back and maybe play the back half of the season. Have you looked at their schedule? Yeah, they're going to be like 1-9, and 1-8 and eight when he comes back. My guess, Nate, he, I don't think he's going to play a game. I don't, think, I don't even think there's a point. If you're the Cardinals, I would tell him, you know what, Kyle, you get, you get well, you get right, you sit out, we'll go 2-15, and 15, and if they get the number one pick in the draft next year, you got Caleb Williams, who is generational, coming out of USC, yep. and Drake May, who a lot of people think is not too far behind him at a, at a UNC. I think the Cardinals are going to take a quarterback next year if they're in that position, and I think they will move off of Murray. They'll just they'll eat some of the cap for a year or two, and they can do it because they're going to have a quarterback yep. on a rookie deal. But I, I think there's a real chance Kyler Murray does not play another game for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I really think that's that's in play. I, I think so, too. I, I was interested in your take on that. All right, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks for the extended time, all the insight, as always. Congrats again on the big move for you. Uh, looking forward to you doing great things over there at SI and, uh, and with the draft coming up and everything like that, man. So I appreciate all, all the time. No problem. Anytime, man. All right, buddy. Matt Verderam there of SI on the Western Hotline. We've got to get a break in. And then the other side, Greg Thompson at Cover One joins us here on WGR. Load up on some great WGR apparel at WGR550shop.com. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, and more, including a new We Still Believe sweatshirt. Get yours now before they're gone at WGR550shop.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.